Just give us one hour, and we'll help you change the way you think about happiness. Harvesting Happiness with Lisa Cypress Kamen is a fresh talk radio approach promoting happiness from the inside out. Happiness is a choice, and happiness can be cultivated and harvested. Each week, Lisa shines her light on well-being and global human flourishing by presenting a diverse and proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. As a filmmaker, positive psychology coach, author, professor, and change agent specializing in the field of happiness, Lisa Cybers Kamen is widely recognized as an expert in the field. On the show, she also focuses on military families and service personnel returning with PTSD, traumatic brain injury, and other post-deployment civilian life reintegration issues. So, let's spend some time getting to the heart of the matter on Harvesting Happiness on toginet.com. And now, here's your host, Lisa Cypress-Kamen. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio, where we explore the very serious business of happiness, sustainable well-being, and human flourishing. We are not talking about that annoying yellow smiley face. No, no, no. We're talking about something much deeper and critical to the success of humanity. Authentic happiness is not selfish, egotistical, or narcissistic. In fact, it is essential in order for humankind to thrive. Sustainable happiness is important because it not only elevates our own well-being locally, but also contributes to collective global flourishing. The achievement of a happy life is not only positively good for us, it is constructively good for those around us. In short, happiness matters. Happiness comes from the heart. And this show is most definitely all about the heart. We love hearing from our listeners. We love connecting so follow me on Twitter at Lisa Kamen and HH Talk Radio, or tweet at us with the hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Today we are talking about what it means to have true presence, what it means to truly be in the moment. And the buzzword or the word du jour tends to be mindfulness these days. It's very fashionable. But we're really talking about a very ancient practice of, of awareness. And with me today is Mark Allen. He is the author of several books, including Tantra for the West, The Magical Path, The Greatest Secrets of All, Visionary Business, as well as others. He is an internationally renowned seminar leader, entrepreneur, author, and composer. He co-founded New World Library with Shakti Gawain and has guided the company as president and publisher from a small startup to its current position as a major player in the independent publishing world. He leads seminars in Northern California and gives teleseminars that reach people all over the world. And we are thrilled to have you, Mark Allen. Welcome. Well, thank you, Lisa. Gee, it is a that pleasure. That it makes me sound like I'm such a, a doer. I'm really a very lazy person. <laughs> but just over the years, I guess it all adds up. It does. And I think when one is doing what we love, Yes. The, the doing seems effortless. Yes. Yes, it is. But I am very lazy. I, I, I have nothing else to do today, for instance. This is my oh. only thing, because it's my Monday, and I always take Mondays off, totally. I take mornings off, and I take Mondays off completely. So I love that. 
I, I, well, and I'm, I'm happy that you are spending your day off with us for a few minutes. This, uh, this, yes. this is great. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I love your show. Thank you. Thank you. I do, too. You know, it's what I get to do. And, and, and that brightens my, my days as, as we, you know, bring in people from all around the world and different mm. backgrounds to share their passions, their joys, their challenges, and their creativity, mm-hmm. which is really what we're talking about in the word Tantra, right? Yes, yes, yes. The word Tantra embraces everything. Uh, when I first heard it, I thought, of course, as everyone else does, it seems in the West, that Tantra means sex with some kind of mystical approach or yoga exercises involved in sex. And there is a whole tradition of that. But if you do go back to the original meaning of Tantra, the it really means the yoga of every moment of your life, rejecting nothing. Everything is part of our practice. That's why it's called the direct path. I got fascinated with it in my early 20s because when I, when I look back on it now, I was just thinking of it this way this morning. I needed therapy. I was in very bad emotional, mental, and physical health when I stumbled out of college. I was not in good health. And then... I found yoga, and then I found Zen, and then I heard about Tantra, and I ended up spending almost four years at a Tibetan center, which is Tantric Buddhism. And then I spent another four years trying to digest what I learned there, how how it can affect my life. And I found this path of Tantra is a wonderful, wonderful path. It's a wonderful way to look at our spiritual path, because it is the path of every moment rejecting nothing. Yeah. Rejecting nothing means that we embrace what is without clinging yes. or resisting or grasping. Exactly. Embrace what is. So even if it seems unacceptable in the moment or even if it seems difficult or if it's emotional, uh, one phrase I have in the book that I really like is, within our darkest moments, our brightest treasures are found. Indeed. Isn't that what Joseph Campbell says? I mean, isn't that yes, yes. very much uh, part of the hero's journey? Yes, hero's there, journey? There is often a, a dark night of the soul or dark and difficult places. And one afternoon at the Tibetan Center, trying to learn this tantric Buddhism, I'll never forget, he took all of us, maybe 35 of us, down into the basement, this room without any windows. We sat in a circle, and he said, okay, imagine your mother is laying in the center of this circle, and she has just died. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. And we spent an afternoon on that. And I remember wow. thinking, what, what kind of path is this? We're getting into the emotion of grief. We're getting into grief. Most of us were mid or early 20s, and our parents, most of our parents were healthy, and we'd never even thought of this. But spending an afternoon then on, your mother has just died, how do you feel, was an amazing thing to do. And it turns out getting into any emotion is amazing. Getting into yeah. whatever happens in the moment. And the, the great instruction he gave us to help us along with that, he said, Everything, and this is very scientific when you think about it, every object, every feeling, everything has an outer and an inner and a secret level of being. 
Our bodies, for instance, we have this outer level. We see we're a certain height, certain hair color. We have an inner level. There's all these organs and things. And then, and then, and here's where it is very scientific. This whole path. If you get into the inner deeply enough, get way into the inner, it leads right to the great secret, the secret of happiness. Even you could say the secret of inner peace, the secret of enlightenment, is by going outer inner secret. So with grief, for example, I remember, you can see the outer forms of grief. We're sitting there in tears. And then inner forms, well, of course, our body's doing all these things. And you get into the body more deeply. What are all these organs that are doing these things? They're composed of these cells. What are the cells composed of? Atoms, subatomic particles. And that's where you get into the secret. You go into the inner deep enough of everything, including every emotion, and the secret is revealed to you. The secret of what is. What is, we are part of this quantum field. We are built of these amazing subatomic particles that are almost empty space. Indeed we are. And and, and when you mention the quantum field, I can't help but think of the entanglement and the interconnectivity Yes, of us it, all and of it, it all. Is, it is all one field. We are all one, definitely, in this one quantum field. That's scientifically exactly what's going on. You opened the new edition of Tantra for the West because the book is not new. It's just a new edition has been published, right. saying that any, any activity whatsoever, if gone into deeply enough, leads to ultimate understanding, freedom, and peace. And is this what you're speaking about by looking at the outer, the inner, and then the secret? secret? Right, exactly. That phrase really kind of sums up the book for me. That phrase is one of the last things I wrote in the beginning of the book, trying to say, okay, what? How can I really put this simply, clearly for myself and others? And that's really this, this path. It's, it's a great therapy. It's more of a therapy than a spiritual path is the way I look at it. Well, it's a liberation. I mean, because in yeah. essence, we're agreeing to let go of our position and become more of the witness or the observer to what is going on and allowing what we see or feel, in this case, because you're talking about the feelings and the example you mentioned about going to the place of, of your parent having just died, to, to be, and right. then work with what materializes. Right. I remember so well that afternoon spent in grief uh, and how it did lead to this tremendous secret that once you get to the inner feelings of grief and really get into your grief, you realize it's all about love. You're only grieving because you love them, because there was this wonderful love between you, and you realize that will continue forever, and you are still totally connected. And it, you, I can't uh, put it for you in your words. You have to find it in your own words. But we all, we all know the secret. We all, we all have had great moments of awakening. All of us. It's just. We tend to forget them over and over and over. We need to be reminded of what we know. Ah, 
Yes. Hence the, uh, the, the, the university of life, right? You know, that if yes. we forget, you can be sure that life will remind us at yeah. some point. Yeah, <laughs> we'll keep yeah. coming back. The themes will keep repeating themselves. We are going to need to go to a break. And when we return, we're going to carry on the discussion with Mark Allen about Tantra for the West, being in the moment, or really the art of creating true presence in our lives. To learn more, please visit markallen.com on Facebook, Mark Allen Author, and the Twitter handle is at Mark Allen Author. The tunes are coming, and we know for sure that they will and that we will return. We'll be right back. Happiness is an inside job. Wear the message on T-shirts, baseball caps, sterling silver designer jewelry, and more. Please visit our online boutique at www.harvestinghappiness.com. Are you or do you know a returning U.S. military man or woman in need of restoring joy in their lives? Did you know that our nonprofit, Harvesting Happiness for Heroes, offers stigma-free combat trauma and post-deployment reintegration programming? Check us out at www.hh4heroes.org. That's HH, the number four, and heroes.org. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Love is in the air, in the whisper of the tree. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are talking about Tantra. And I know that when the word Tantra comes to mind, that we think of sex, uh, intimacy, physical intimacy. And we're talking about Tantra on a much deeper and broader an all-encompassing level with Mark Allen, who is the author of several books, including Tantra for the West, The Magical Path, The Greatest Secret of All, Visionary Business, and more. He's also the co-founder of New World Library with Shakti Gawain. And for many of you who listen to our show regularly, we love supporting the authors at New World Library. But Mark is quite a visionary, and he's written this book on Tantra and uh, ironically, when we think of Tantra and sex, really what he's written about is Tantra for the other 23 hours of the day. <laughs> so, Mark, let's talk about the chapters in, the, in, in your book uh, that really focus on creating vitality, awareness, presence, and savoring of other dimensions of our lives besides mm-hmm. and in addition to sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they all do in a way. Everyone points to that, including the sex chapter. There is a good chapter on sex. I, I particularly like the sex chapter. But Well, sex is good. We are, we are yes. not poo-pooing sex here, not at all. Yes, 
yes, it is a wonderful meditation. And uh, one whole pathway is just to remember that feeling in insects, the wonderful connection you have with the whole world where energy just rises through your body and finally you unite with the whole world. If we can remember that throughout the day, that's, that is a perfectly wonderful, complete path. Indeed. And when we relate it to our relationships, to our aloneness, being alone and content and at one with ourselves, or other areas, for example, work, money, creativity, food, drink, meditation, aging. I mean, aging is, is, is hot right now, right? I mean, oh. 60 is the new 30. <laughs> it, it always has been a hot topic with humanity. <laughs> uh, aging. Aging, old age, sickness, and death were the things that totally bummed Buddha out and depressed yeah. him. And, and uh, it turned out to be a wonderful thing because he got into them so deeply he had a wonderful awakening and went totally beyond aging, sickness, and death. Indeed, the transcendence. And, but how yes. do these practices, the modern-day tantric practice, affect these other areas? We can pick a, a, a couple domains, for example, our relationships or our relationships with money. Right, right. In a way, it's, it's my attempt to, to really make modern, traditional Buddhism. Uh, what Buddha really said for his time was so brilliant. I mean, he had four great truths. First, he said, look, life is a bitch, and then you die. That's the modern translation of it. But life is suffering, right? But then he said, <laughs> there's truths beyond. There's a way beyond suffering totally. And then the third, the way to get there is to understand the cause of suffering is within us. It's our own mind. And then the last great truth is the eightfold path, he called it. But it really means there's an infinite number of ways to get there depending on you and your interests, your unique personality and everything. There's an infinite number of paths. So this is one of them. Tantra is a wonderful path. And, and when we say Tantra, you know, just break it down in, in, in another way. You've, you've already said it a couple of different ways, but in another way for listeners who might still have the sex mind, what right. we're saying here with Tantra. Right. Yeah, it's just... A broader concept. The word Tantra comes from the root to weave, to weave. It's about every moment of our lives. We are weaving the, the story of our lives. We're weaving the, the energy of our lives every moment. So it's looking at every moment of your life as your path. Or if you want to put it in different words, as your therapy. Every moment is great therapy. And in fact, mm. the more difficult the situation, the better the therapy the tougher the situation, usually the bigger the breakthrough. I would agree with really, you wholeheartedly. Really you know, right. I, I work a lot with clients who are in addiction recovery and are undergoing um, recovery from traumas of, of many different kinds, from war to um, sexual trauma, to all yeah. kinds of things. And yeah. it's very challenging in the beginning to introduce people who have not had any experience in this realm, to the concept of the greatest tragedy perhaps being the most magnificent opportunity for transcendence. Yes. It, it will take time to see that, but then that is true. Our darkest moments 
are where our brightest treasures are found, the biggest breakthroughs. When I look back, I was really seriously depressed in my early 20s. I'd spend days alone just sitting. Uh, Friends would drag me out for a walk. And now I look back and I'm so glad for that depression because that's what drove me on to sit in a Zen center for six months and then at this Tibetan center for three and a half years. And and it drove me to wander around pondering things and say, you know, how can I make my life better? This sucks. And then I finally realized it's great therapy. And those the deepest, darkest places, when you find the ways to get out of those, you find the solution. You find happiness. Well, don't the Buddhists say that, you know, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional? Yes, yes, exactly. (laughs) And that's a good way to sum up the first two laws of Buddha, you know. There is pain and suffering in in the world, but we can go beyond suffering. We can be happy. We will have some pain that's inevitable because we have bodies, so the bodies will be in pain at some point. But suffering about it is completely optional. We can go beyond suffering. We can reach a point where there is no suffering. It's perfect therapy. Buddhism isn't even a religion in any sense of the word. There's nothing to believe in it. It really is a science and a therapy. Buddha's last words to his disciples were, don't accept anything I said because I said it and you believe it. Test it in your own experience and make sure it works for you. That's great therapy, and that's, you know, perfectly scientific. How would you counsel someone or coach somebody who comes to you um, from a tantric perspective wanting advice about the relationship with money or, or, or <laughs> their professional world? Oh, yes, yes, so many. Yeah, well, it is. Uh, money's a, a, an amazing path, the, the, the spiritual path to monetary success is what I've, I sort of uh, would suggest looking at and exploring, because it turns out Jesus was right when he said, ask and you shall receive. Ask and you shall receive. There's incredible advice in the Gospels. And I, I remember walking around my house thinking about that, and I thought, you know, Yes, but there's so many reasons why maybe I shouldn't and can't and receive. And I heard this voice saying, you know what Jesus said, ask and you shall receive, not ask and you shall receive if you deserve it or if you're talented enough or smart enough or blah, blah, blah. No, the, the great instruction is simply ask and you shall receive. So it is a powerful thing to just ask for a certain income, and to even map out a possible way to get there. It's a very powerful thing to do, and it works. You've written and say that Tantra is a way of life that involves acceptance of all life, and that everything has its own perfect reason for being. How does this apply to the negativity you know we've said that this is you know that that pain will happen suffering is optional but people say you know what okay enough of the psychobabble let's get real you know how do i handle it when the shit hits the fan right and that's when we do the deepest practice that's when we really get into high gear in this and it does boil down to just accepting what is this is what is 
you're really upset right now, or it, things are really dark and bleak, and this really hurts right now. That's what is. That's absolutely what is. Uh, Eckhart Tolle, of course, is a genius in, in this because he just got at the deepest moment of his darkest suicidal depression, he got this voice in his chest saying, resist nothing. And he got it. All the rest of us have got it, too, but we tend to forget it. He didn't forget it. Well, you make a point of the, the, the resistance. When we resist what is, the, the very yeah. thing that we're running from, the discomfort that we are attempting to escape or end, persists. Yes, the because resistance friction. itself is the problem, not the thing itself. The resistance, our own resistance in our mind and body, and we can affect that. I learned that in the dentist chair. I had a lot of dental work as a kid, and it was painful, and I hated it. And then about my like mid-30s, I was in the dentist chair in deep pain, and, and I had studied enough then. I thought, wait, I'm resisting this pain. That's why it's maintaining such intensity. I'm saying, oh, no, I don't want this. This shouldn't be. This sucks. That was what my body and mind were screaming. Instead, I just said, oh, this is what is right now. I'm sitting here, and there's a dentist drill going, okay, this is what is. As soon as I got that and thought that, my whole body relaxed, and the pain completely changed. It was this electricity coursing through my body. It was this amazing life force. It became an incredible experience, and ever since, I've had no pain in the dentist chair. It's the same principle with every emotion. And every emotion, as in every instance that occurs in our lives until we stop breathing, is temporary. Right, so right, even holding on to that, that the, the, the pain in the dentist chair, it's painful, it's what is, and it will pass. It will pass. It will pass. There's a, a poem at the beginning of the food and drink chapter that says, release your hold. It's from China in 880. Release your hold on earth, water, fire, wind. Eat and drink as you wish in the Buddha mind. All things will pass, and all are completely empty. This is the great awakening of the Buddha. That's all beautiful. things pass. And all things are empty. If we just remember that, then everything changes. If we really accept what is and don't fight it, we're fighting the whole universe when we're, when we're saying, oh, this, is, this sucks, I do not like this. We're resisting what is. We're fighting the force of the universe, you could say. And I think the, the uh, moral of this part of the story is when we lean into life, you know, and we stop resisting, we find our way through it. Because the only way out of it is through it. Yeah, Exactly. The only way out of it is through it. If we, uh, one teacher of Tantra, I remember a Tibetan teacher, summed up, he said, there's really three paths, you could say. Uh, we all have a path up the mountain, and there's patches of poison growing across it. And poison means negative emotions in Tibet. And he said, the monk or nun comes up the path, sees the poison, and immediately goes the other way. And that's a perfect path for them. The monk or nun just going the other way. No sex, no... I'll just sit and meditate. That's one path uh, that's fine in itself, but it's not for most of us. Then, he said, the bodhisattva, the awakening being, sees the poison on Beep. the path and just plows through up to awakening. 
and that's great. Then the tantric yogi comes up, he said. The, tant- the practitioner of tantra comes up, sees the poison, and goes right into the center of the poison, even if it apparently takes them off their path. They go into the center of it. That's tantra, the center of the poison, the, your deepest fears. What are your deepest fears? What are your, those darkest thoughts that go through your mind? Get into them. You have to get yeah. into them. And then they change. They completely change. Mark Allen, we are out of time. Thank you for joining us. Uh, uh, I so appreciate you sharing um, your wisdom, part of yourself. The, the book is Tantra for the West. You can find out more at markallen.com. On Facebook, the page is Mark Allen Author. And on Twitter, the handle is at Mark Allen Author. Here come the tunes. We'll be right back to carry on the conversation with our next guest. Nothing gives happiness like a free gift. Lisa Cypress came and has made her first ebook, Got Happiness Now? Eight Keys to Unlocking a Joyful Life. Available at no cost to everyone. Unwrap your complimentary copy now by visiting www.harvestinghappinesstalkradio.com. Saturday afternoons on 97.5. Joy riding the coast with a global vibe, pleasing your ears and inspiring your mind. Joy riding the coast with me, Lisa Cypress Cayman. Saturdays, 2 to 5, on 97.5. KBU and RadioMalibu.net. Like what you hear on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio? Subscribe to us on iTunes and get your weekly dose of joy downloaded free and easily to your computer or portable device. That's Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio on iTunes. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. If you're just joining us now, we are having a discussion about Tantra, specifically Tantra for the West. For those of you who are listening, you may be familiar with Tantra in the context of sexuality and the expression of human sexuality. But what we're focusing on today is a little bit of a different sense. It's really about utilizing Tantra or employing Tantra or creating Tantra in our everyday lives. And with me now is Ramesh Bianis, who is a writer, yogi, and workshop leader. Originally from Norway and currently residing in the United States, he has lived in India and Nepal in the 1980s, learning directly from the enigmatic masters of Tantra. He has practiced yoga and meditation for over 30 years, 
and lectured on Tantra, yoga, and meditation in many countries. He's the co-founder of the Prama Institute, a holistic retreat center, as well as director of the Prama Wellness Center, where yoga, yoga therapy, meditation, juice fasting, and Ayurveda is used to rejuvenate people's health and well-being. He lives and practices in an eco-village in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. Welcome, Ramesh. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, wonderful. Let's talk about the mistaken belief that Tantra is simply the yoga of sex or practiced solely in sexuality. Yes, uh, it's interesting, isn't it, that in the West, people associate Tantra with sex, uh, while in India, people associate Tantra with uh, magic, magical powers. And uh, so <clears throat> I think of yoga and Tantra specifically as the yoga of everything and not just the yoga of sex. So um, that broadens the scope of uh, Tantra as a practice and as a spiritual path. And in many ways, I would say that Tantra is yoga and yoga is Tantra. This is, again, maybe not so f familiar to people in the West who think about it that way, but that's how I learned it in India. And um, so Tantra is really a spiritual path and, and a lifestyle. And, of course, sex is part of our life and part of our lifestyle. But it's, you know, uh, just one part of it and not only. So, so in other words, Tantra is not just about sex. When we speak of, of Tantra, one perspective uh, may be viewing everything as sacred and everything as divine. And for many people listening, this may be a very foreign concept, but it's actually a very simple and practical one. Right. Yes, in Tantra, we think of consciousness as underlying everything, as the ground of being, so to speak, which is similar to the way that uh, quantum physicists view the world, seeing that consciousness can be just consciousness and intelligence, but also energy, and that energy and consciousness are always together in the world. And so in Tantra, we think of consciousness as Shiva or, uh, or Purusha and energy as Shakti or Prakriti. So Shiva and Shakti are always together. And that's why you see sometimes in Tantric iconography a, a pair of lovers symbolizing Shiva and Shakti so that sexual union symbolizes that unity of reality which is the union of Shiva and Shakti as Brahma, as divine consciousness. And because divine consciousness is underlying everything, even in the form of energy, <clears throat> which then becomes material things, uh, and, you know, the earth, everything we deal with on a daily basis, tantrics see that everything is divine because everything comes from consciousness and everything is conscious. In your book, Tantra, The Yoga of Love and Awakening, you, you describe these principles and you describe um, how if we learn to harness our energy, harness this, this transformative force, that our lives begin to 
opens up to more more love, more sacredness, uh, more joy. Talk a little bit about that. Yes, because Tantra really is a state of awareness. It's a state of being. And so when we think of it that way, yoga then is not just doing a physical practice in a yoga studio, but yoga is every breath. There is a beautiful line in, in Hafiz's poetry, Hafiz is a Sufi poet, where he says, be the hole in the flute in which Christ's consciousness flows through. And that beautifully describes the state of Tantra, the state of yoga as, as a tantric yogi. In other words, every breath has the opportunity to bring us in contact with the divine. And another tantric yogi and poet in India, Kabir, he said that, that the divine is the breath within the breath. And so with that kind of consciousness, if we move throughout the day, throughout our life, we have the opportunity in every interaction to get in touch with our breath and by doing so also get in touch with that deep sacred consciousness within us. I like what you just said about the divine being found in the breath within the breath, which takes this down to a very uh, small level, on a microscopic level of of being. You know, that if we approach our lives uh, being fully present, treating each moment and each other and each experience as a, as a divine opportunity, then we begin to transform our daily experience and there's less grasping and clinging to expectations, judgment to how we think things should be in our lives. Right, right. That's, that's exactly right. Uh, yes, go in ahead. Your book, uh, in your book, you, you talk about that at heart, Tantra is a path of love. And for some people listening, they may say, oh, love, love and sex. And really what you're talking about is something uh, much broader and deeper than, than like we said, the, the, the sexuality aspect. Talk about the love from the, the tantric perspective. Yes. Um, because, because of this union um, between Shiva and Shakti as the fundamental principles of reality, we say in Tantra that <clears throat> attraction is the law of the universe. We are attracted to the opposite sex, or it could be the same sex. We are attracted to beautiful things. We are attracted you know, to money. We are attracted to uh, pleasure. But we are also attracted to love. And, and because in Tantra we say that love is the underlying consciousness of everything, that Love created this world, even though it doesn't look like that often. But the point is that even when we have difficulties, even when we suffer, we have the opportunity to get in touch with that, that feeling of love. Uh, <clears throat> Rumi has a beautiful way of explaining this. He says that, you know, the taste of milk and honey is not it. What is it is that love which gave this deliciousness. And so in other words, the divine is that love principle. And so in Tantra, we, we say that the cup is not half empty, it's, it's half full. We always look on the positive side of everything. <laughs> so uh, in, yeah. Indeed, indeed. 
And but in its most elemental sense, if if we look at love as being what drives us in our daily lives. And for many of us, you know, we go about our lives and with a range of emotions, high and low, with goals that are driven from an external place. And I believe what I hear you saying is that um, with a tantric approach, if we are approaching life through the lens of love, through the presence in love in all that we do, whether it is in our businesses, whether it's in our yoga practice, whether it's in our sexuality, whether it's in our relationships with others, from this perspective is where we find that nirvana, you know, the presence of heaven and earth. Yeah, yeah, wonderfully said. Exactly, because whether we are addicted to food or alcohol, even those kinds of addictions, we want to be relieved from suffering. We want pleasure. And so in Tantra, we say that this seeking for pleasure is the love principle. But then we need to learn where the real pleasure is. And as Rumi said earlier, that pleasure is really in that love force that gave the pleasure in the first place. And so, for example, take, if we take sex, it is wonderful, beautiful, but we can overdo it. Take money, it is wonderful, we need it, but we can overdo it. We can focus too much on sex, too much on money. And so in Tantra, we talk about balance. We want to find a balance in life. And so we use energy in a balanced way, always in a loving way. You know, money for, yes, to, to have enough, but also to serve. Sex, yes, for pleasure, but also to give pleasure. And at the same time, uh, so in other words, all of our actions have the opportunity then to seek deeper and deeper love because the, the ideation in tantric practice is what is it that is behind everything? And what is behind everything is that loving force, that consciousness, that bliss. So in Tantra, we talk about Ananda, the bliss, which is the source of everything. But it is in, because we live in a dualistic world between pleasure and pain. And so we move between pleasure and pain. But what we really want is love and peace. And so in Tantra, we think of this as a triangle, pleasure and pain on at the bottom, and then at the top, there is that deep peace and love. And that is really what we are seeking through our actions. Beautifully said. We are going to go to a break, and when we return, we are going to carry on the discussion with Ramesh Iyanis. He is the author of Tantra, the Yoga of Love and Awakening. To learn more about him and the beautiful work that he does, please visit the Institute.org or the traumawellnesscenter.org. Here come the tunes. We will be right back. Do you like Lisa's take on happiness, well-being, and human flourishing? Join us this spring as Harvesting Happiness launches online classroom programming where Lisa Cypress-Kamen will offer her workshop series across the globe and from the comfort of wherever you are. Visit HarvestingHappiness.com for more details. 
a part of the grateful good. Grateful Nation brings together patients, families, friends, and staff of Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center to support the quality care and groundbreaking research at the medical center. Through new and traditional media, members of Grateful Nation share experiences, thank our caregivers and researchers, participate in sweepstakes, and gather to sponsor and host events and much more. Being grateful inspires others to be grateful as well. Isn't it time we jumpstart some perpetual gratitude? Visit Grateful Nation online to find out more at www.gratefulnation.org. Have a grateful day. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. I feel good. I knew that I wouldn't. So good. So good. Welcome back to Harvesting Happiness Talker. If you're just joining us now, I urge you to download and share this podcast. Why? Because sharing is caring. It's kind. It's free. It's legal. And we are talking about Tantra, the philosophy of Tantra as it applies to our everyday lives and not the typical focus on human sexuality. And with me today is Ramesh Bionis. We're continuing our conversation about his book, Tantra, the Yoga of Love and Awakening. Ramesh, prior to the break, we were talking about the philosophy of finding or creating nirvana, heaven on earth, and, and applying the philosophy and science of Tantra to our daily presence in, in life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I would love to expand the conversation to include the ecology uh, of Tantra. Okay. And and yeah. how living a green life, how living a, a conscious, a consciously um, built life in our external world is as important. Right. <clears throat> yeah, that's, I think it's a very important thing. So, for example, we could say that in the world today we have two extremes. In the West, we have this idea that everything is matter, everything is just a thing, it is lifeless, and nature is there for the taking, for the utilization uh, of it. And then when we don't need it, we just discard it. Now, we see that that kind of an attitude has led us into a lot of problems, a lot of environmental problems. In the East, there is another extreme attitude that this world is an illusion. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, All that is important is spirit, and so... You know, what I need to do is move into a cave and meditate and forget about the world. Both of these views <laughs> both of these views are extreme. And Tantra has this beautiful middle path where it says that this world is beautiful, it is sacred, it is conscious, and because of that we need to take care of it. And so at the heart of Tantra there is this... Uh, understanding that nature is divine, is sacred, and we are part of it. As a matter of fact, we are an extension of it. We are not bigger than nature because we are just part of it. And so we need to take care of it because if we don't, we will also succumb to the forces of nature. And so 
Uh, I actually started out in my younger life as an ecologist. I studied uh, agronomy and 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 I was part of the green movement in Norway. And then after that, I entered uh, the yogic life, so to speak. And and I realized when studying tantra how compatible tantra was with um, with ecology and and also with quantum physics and and uh, new thinking in in science and so on. So. So I find this beautiful compatibility. And I think what we're seeing now is this East-West um, confluence, all the best of the West, green thinking, and, and the best of the East, uh, the kind of enlightenment consciousness thinking from the East. And, and, and I think that the future lies in, in the blending of these two uh, kinds of awarenesses and, and uh, activities. I agree. In, in my... In my work, in uh, in life, and in how the, the two uh, flow together, I see that when I show up in this presence that you describe as, a, as, a, as a, the, the tantra of life, really, that life works more smoothly. And when I'm in resistance, you know, when I'm trying to for, force the river, as they say, um, there's conflict. And I believe that this approach offers a more gentle experience of life. Mhm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and 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 also an acceptance when there is conflict, accepting that that is and then looking at you know what is the resistance. I remember I was on the radio one time and one guy called in and he said, you know, I started meditating and everything is going well and I don't lose my keys anymore and everything is fantastic, you know. And I and I said, "Great, wonderful." But the the real test comes when you do lose your key and when things are not going well. Then what is your state of mind? That's that's yeah. that's when we and and so that's why I was saying earlier, you know, uh, about you um, uh, doing this interview from your car. You know, that is uh, doing yoga because you're able to to handle uh life's uh challenges in in a calm conscious way and that's really what it is and and in reference to ecology i think that that's what has been missing in the west is that we have been thinking that the economy is bigger than the ecology but it's the other way around ecology is the biggest uh part of reality and an economy is is subset uh, it comes out of ecology, and that's really what Tantra and, and Eastern spirituality is teaching us: is that if we can think of economy, ecology, as parts of nature, as integral aspects of nature, then we can really create heaven on earth uh, and, and a more balanced reality. I love what you just said about you know, a you know, having to flow with life. To sometimes we have to. Uh, adapt, you know, in order to uh, accomplish what what we set out to do, you know, such as this interview coming from the car. But I must say, I'm looking at the Pacific <laughs> Ocean, so the view is spectacular. Oh, um, wonderful! But but having said that, you know, and as uh, the, in the pursuit of perfectionism that many of us strive for, we might say, okay, well, the audio is not 100 percent perfect. It's not the most comfortable. You know, there's no desk, there's no mic, there's no, you know, you know, pr- pr- professional mic. But the reality of it is we're, we're meeting. We're, you know, we're meeting through mm-hmm. technology in, in, in this moment. 
and we're and we're flowing. There's a message. There's something that we came together to to discuss, and I and I see that is what you are speaking of in action. This this tantra of life in action. Right, right, exactly. What a beautiful image! You by the Pacific Ocean, and me up here in the in the Green Mountains of North Carolina. And we're talking, you know, through this uh, wonderful technology about sacred consciousness and ecology and and uh, yoga. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And um, so, yeah, and I might add that this is about taking the yoga off the mat. That for those right. of us right. out there who are uh, yoga practitioners in the classical sense, you know, going into a studio or having a practice and coming to the mat. I think the challenge becomes how we take that out into the world and practice it in the, the other uh, 22 hours a day. Yes, exactly. You know, um, I, I love poetry, and, and that's why I, I use uh, a lot of poetry in my teachings. You know, uh, Antonio Machado, a Spanish poet, he has a beautiful metaphor. Mm. He says that, I make honey all out of my past mistakes. And and that is what we need to do in this world. Yes, we have made many mistakes. Yes, we mess things up. But we have the opportunity to compost the mistakes of the past, to make honey out of it. And that's really what Tantra is, to make yoga out of everything. And to So in other words, it's, it's a problem is not there to be pushed away. A problem is there to be embraced and then transcended. So Tantra really looks at problems as as a way of embracing it. In other words, my problem is my friend. Yes. And when we look at some of our greatest challenges that we have in our lives, whether it's a financial challenge, whether it's addictive tendencies is a challenge, whether we have conflict in our relationships, the idea that we can make honey out of that challenge to me, it gives uh, hope. You know, it gives hope and a belief in something better continuously. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, so then everything has an opportunity to to create honey uh, out of you know in our interactions with friends, with coworkers, rather than this. Oh, I have this problem. Oh, I need to get away from it. Or I need to move on to something else. No, that problem is an opportunity to go deeper because it is simply a scratch on the surface and and we need to polish it we need to take care of it and and that's really what tantra is and that's that's also what yoga is it's not it's not about getting from a to b but it's really to live in that space and be holy and whole and complete between the a and the b always in the present moment not so much about what can I become tomorrow? But what is it that I am right now? And what is it that I'm feeling right now? And I always like what you just said about the and holy. I'm sorry to interrupt you about the holy, yeah. about the holiness of, of now. Right, right. Because we have that that opportunity, as uh, Kabir was saying, you know, and, and that the breath is, the divine breath is always within our breath that the divine is always there right under the surface and we have that opportunity to get back into it. Rather than be angry at somebody or something, think of 
the 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 issue at hand and then get into that deep breath and then embrace what the issue is and then see what comes out of that 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 really is tantra and practice and and as uh, as a practice then tantra becomes very simple it you can use a mantra to remind yourself of being in that presence get in touch with your breath when you do yoga do yoga from the inside from the breath not you know uh, from the outside look you know thinking about how beautiful i'm going to become or how how uh, flexible i'm becoming and so on but rather from the inside from the breath out that's that's really the tantric approach the book is tantra the yoga of love and awakening and the author is my lovely guest ranish bianis to learn more please visit pranainstitute.org or pranawellnesscenter.org and here are a few thoughts before we part happiness is not a destination it cannot be bought sold or traded happiness will never invite you to the party it simply comes down to a choice to show up each and every day in the world with passion purpose place and meaning Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio. This is Lisa Cypress Kamen and my guests today, Mark Allen and Ramesh Biana, wishing you kind thoughts, kinder words, and the kindest of actions. Until next time, remember, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. And a quick shout out of thanks to our producers who make us shine each and every week. We appreciate you. Go out and make it a great one until next week. Thanks for joining us on Harvesting Happiness Talk Radio with Lisa Cypress Kamen. Join us every Wednesday morning live at 10 to 11 Central Time here on TogiNet Radio. Then harvest your own happiness anytime from the comfort of wherever you are with free downloadable podcasts available at iTunes. To learn more about Lisa's filmography, felicitation, and philanthropy, please visit harvestinghappiness.com. Each week, Harvesting Happiness presents engaging trendsetters, exploring our world through science, art, medicine, media, music, philosophy, politics, and the human heart, whose perspectives on life are sure to inspire, provoke, and engage. Lisa's diverse guests are a proactive collection of the greatest thinkers and doers who have devoted their lives to creating a better world in which to live. Like Lisa says, happiness is an inside job. Happiness is your inside job. Spread more joy by liking us on Facebook at Harvesting Happiness and following us on Twitter at hashtag Harvesting Happiness. Then join us again next week at this same time on the TogiNet Radio Network.